Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. So this coming weekend, we're going to be speaking about the gifts of the Spirit. How do you transition out of that, right? <laughs> in all seriousness, it says in 1 John, what was it, 5, 39, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest or revealed that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he goes on to say that the same purpose that God had sent him, he now sends us. And our call is to destroy the works of the devil. But he has then left us without tools. And so we're going to be speaking about those tools, the arsenal and the weaponry that the, God has left for us. And that is the nine gifts of the Spirit. And Paul does an extensive teaching on it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, so hopefully you'll come out. It'll be Friday night at 7 p.m. And then Saturday morning we'll continue at 10 a.m. And that's based upon 1 Corinthians 12.1. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I, I would not have you to be ignorant. If you look at that text, that word gifts is in italics. And that means it's in the original, it's not there. So how it actually reads is now concerning spirituals, I don't want you to be ignorant. And what happens is, is Paul is dealing with a church that is flowing in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, healing, working of miracles, faith, word of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. And they thought because they were flowing in these manifestations and moving in the things of the spirit, that that meant that they were spiritual. And he says, I need to teach you what it really means to be spiritual. So come out Friday and we're going to talk about that. So this is kind of a prerequisite message. This is an assignment for me. PG asked me to speak on this subject matter as a prelude and a prerequisite sort of to what I'm going to be teaching on Friday and Saturday. So I'm going to be speaking this morning about the Holy Spirit. It says in John 16, 7, and most of the scriptures that I'm going to put up are probably going to be a New American Standard to give you guys a head up, heads up. I know I didn't send it to you, and I know I'm speak fast, but just do what you can, and we'll just go. Just, you can listen to it online afterwards. But in John 16, 7, Jesus said, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And I've always was puzzled with that because... I mean, have you ever wondered what could be better than actually have been, go back in time and have been and walked in the streets and hung out with Jesus? What could be better than that? Have you ever thought about that? Maybe you don't, maybe you read quick, but I, I tend to like to slow down and smell the roses. And I always wonder what could be better than have been actually there when Jesus was here on earth. And he said, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is better that I go away so that I can send a helper. Now notice he said, it's your advantage that I go away so I can send a helper, not so I can send a book. We brag about this isn't a religion, this is a relationship, and then we get people into church, and then we give them rules and regulations, and we get them stuck in religion. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a word guy, so I'm not saying anything sacrilegious, but there are denominations built and they worship the Bible. He said, it's better that I go away that I can send you the helper, and that's so I can send you the book. Now, there's nothing that the helper is going to tell you that's ever going to contradict what's in the book because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one who inspired the writers of the book. 
And so I want to speak to you about the person of the Holy Spirit. It says, and this is no contradiction, it says in 2 Peter 1.20, but this is first of all, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And so what I want to do, if I can do anything this morning in a short period of time that I have to speak, is I want to inspire a romantic relationship with the author of the word. I want to make you aware of what Jesus said was more important than him remaining on earth, was him releasing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the very first time we see the Holy Spirit mentioned in Scripture is in Genesis 1-2. It says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. That word hovered means to vibrate. And vibration is the foundation of every sound that you hear. The, the Holy Spirit, when he arrives, he makes a sound. What are you hearing? Have you stilled yourself enough to hear what the Spirit is saying? Seven times in the book of Revelation, he says, He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What are you hearing? And if you're not, can you still yourself long enough to hear what he's whispering to you? This is more important than studying theology. And I've been to three Bible colleges, so I'm not against education. But knowledge puffs up and love edifies. And I want you to understand it's the love of God that should have brought our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, we know him as the Spirit, and the word in the Hebrew is ruach, and it's the exact same meaning as pneuma in the Greek, and it means air, breath, and wind. And so you're alive because of the air that you breathe as a result of the movement of the wind of the Holy Spirit. That is the meaning of the word spirit. You can't see it. With the natural eye, but you can see its effects. The very first time the Spirit is called the Holy Spirit is in Psalm 51. And this is a passage when David is broken. He made totally messed up in his life. And he was acquainted with many spirits in his time. When the prophet Samuel comes to his father's house, his father forgot that he even had a son named David. And he experienced a spirit of rejection. When he begins to climb up in the ranks in the army, he experiences a spirit of jealousy from King Saul. And then he winds up succumbing to a spirit of lust. But there was something that kept him throughout his entire life, and that was a relationship with a different kind of spirit. He called him, he's the first one to call him in the scripture, the Holy Spirit. He said, do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And so I was meditating upon that, and then John walks over to me and says, hey, this is what I'm picking up. And, <laughs> and then, of course, everything, the Spirit just began to, before anything was spoken, the Spirit has already been moving in this place. His love for us wants us to remove any weight that's keeping us from diving deeper into intimacy with him. It's not a spirit of condemnation, but a conviction to bring us higher. It's so powerful, so powerful. This was a different kind of spirit. The word holy, kodesh, means 
to be sanctified, to be set apart, different. This is a different kind of spirit. This wasn't a spirit that was going to reject me, a spirit that's going to be jealous of me, a spirit that will entrap me in my lust, but this is a different spirit, a holy spirit. Don't take your holy spirit from you. You can take the whole kingdom, but don't take the holy spirit from me. There was something vital about that. And it was from that point he was known as a man after God's own heart. Every time when he went into the temple and he grabbed the ephod, the Bible talks about that, that David inquired of the Lord. Did you ever wonder how he inquired of the Lord? He had the ephod, and it was this breastplate that went over the high priest, and it had 12 precious stones, each one representing the 12 tribes of Israel. But behind it, there was a pocket. And in this pocket, there was these two mystical stones, the Urim and the Thummim. One of them means lights, and the other one means perfection or vibration. Something happened when he sought the Lord that the Holy Spirit would begin to illuminate and vibrate. And that sound and that light would shine through the 12 gems and create a prism of color. And God began to speak to the people through the colors. We see that as he establishes the rainbow and God speaks in the colors of the rainbow. Every time he's mentioned in scripture, there's emerald. There's, there's all kinds of colors mentioned. The Holy Spirit is speaking all the time. Are we listening? Are we seeing? Or are we just studying and just memorizing some facts? He said he called them a helper. In John 14, he says in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. He abides with you, present tense, and will be in you, future tense. And that's what I want to address, the, him being in you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, he defines him. Let me make this clear. The helper is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sends in my name, not in the name of Allah, not in the name of Confucius, okay? In the name of Jesus. Let's, not, let's make that clear. In my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. What are you hearing? Because he's speaking. All things that I said to you, not just what he read. The word helper in the Greek, paraklatos, means a defense attorney. I got your back. There's an accuser of the brethren that's condemning you, but I've sent the helper, a defense attorney, who's going to come alongside you, who's going to stand up for you when no one else stands up for you. Like David said, though my mother and father forsake me, God will never forsake me. He sent the son, and now the son is sending the Holy Spirit. He's sending a defense attorney on your behalf. You are not alone. He's come to lead us. He goes on to say in verse 13 of chapter 16, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will reveal to you what is to come. He will reveal to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit has come to give us revelation. A revelation of who Jesus is. And we may think we know who he is, but he is all revelation, and he's constantly revealing himself. 
nothing that he's going to ever reveal or say to you will ever contradict what's in his word. So please don't take what I'm saying out of context. But I want to introduce you to the author of the word. Okay, you can come to our classes and learn about the word, but it's the author of the word. This is a relationship. He said, he will glorify me and he will take of mine and will reveal it to you. He goes on to say that all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that when he takes of mine, he will reveal it to you. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I hate that. I'm a person of preparation. I like to prepare. I don't like to be told last minute, hey, I need you to go speak and say this and say that. But, you know, I don't get to make the choices here. And so the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour. I know John makes it look easy, but for me, I'm like... You know, I was supposed to speak next Sunday, and PG pulls this one on me. Oh, by the way, I'm gone. I'm going up to the mountains, you know, retreat, whatever, and so I need you to speak a week. That's one less week of preparation. Ah, you'll be fine. So I got excited when John came up to me. I thought the Spirit was really going to move, and, and he, the Spirit did move, but I was hoping he would continue moving. Ah, cool. All right, you're dismissed. Bless you. No, no, not so much. Yeah, yes, he is. Yes, he is. And so uh, here's the thing. You know, we, we watch movies like The Passion, and we talk about um, Christ dying for our sins, and I love the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and sometimes we, we miss some of the fine print and things that are being said. And you look at the, the gospel according to St. Luke. Luke and Acts was originally one book. They kind of separated in the canon, but it's the same author. It's, the, it's, it's Luke the physician. And so he's very detailed and very, and you know, because a doctor, if you get a prescription wrong, even by one, by one drop, you can kill somebody, right? So he's very detailed, and that's how he was trained. So he's writing the gospel according to St. Luke, and then he's also writing the book of Acts. And he tells us something in the opening chapter. He says in Acts chapter 1, he says, This first account, O Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven, after he, by the Holy Spirit, had given orders. Orders. Not suggestions. Orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. And to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to many of them over a period of 40 days, speaking about things concerning the kingdom of God and gathering them together, he suggested. Now he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the father had promised, which he said, you have heard from me that John baptized with water. And I'm excited about the baptism coming up. That is a holy sacrament. That is extremely important. And John had, pro John had prophesied and preached about baptism of water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And he goes on to say in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So what's happening here? Jesus Christ has died on the cross. He rose again. And now he's appearing and he's appearing to a group of people here and a group of people there. But then he holds a conference. And in this conference, there's 500 people gathered. And for 40 days straight, 500 people are in the presence of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And he's teaching on things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is the risen Lord. Okay? For 40 days. 
Imagine going through a class for 40 days and you get one homework assignment. And, only, and, and here's the homework assignment. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power. And out of the 500, only 120 showed up. This isn't the carpenter's son. There's no doubt. This is the risen Lord. He had provided proof that he was who he says he was. And for 40 days, he holds this conference, and only 120 show up. He's, this is what basically he said. Basically, he says, listen, I came as a man through a virgin girl, and everything that I did, I did by the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit to give you an example. And so now when I go, it's going to be better because the things that I do, you're going to do, and many more things will you do because there's more of you. Amen. Right? It's like yes, yesterday morning, Kevin Mancuso and I had the honor and privilege to hang out with Luis Castillo. But in the evening, we got to hang with all five of the Castillos. <laughs> it's cool to hang with one, but when you get to hang with all five. So when Jesus said, the things that I do, you're going to do, and many more, is because he did it by the same power of the Spirit that he left for us. We're looking for superstars, and God is looking for you. Okay? So look at some of the examples of people that were filled with the Spirit. John the Baptist. It says in Luke 1.15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will, he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. That is why it's so important that we protect the sanctity of the babies. It is a demonic warfare that's going on in this nation. You may think it's political, the, su the supreme justice is being appointed, and who is saying what, but there is a war, there's a battle, okay? When Moses was born, there was an assignment to kill the babies. When Jesus was born, there was an assignment to kill the babies. And ever since Roe versus Wade, there has been an assignment to kill a multitude company of deliverers. While in his mother's womb, he was filled with the Spirit. His mother Elizabeth, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Her, her, his father was filled with the Spirit. In Luke 167, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. You can't be filled with the Spirit and not have something happen. Something's going to happen. It's good to talk about stories of the past, but the Spirit is alive and still moving today. In Luke 4.1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. So he had just been baptized by John, and John sees an open heaven and sees the Holy Spirit descend upon him as a dove. And that was the beginning of his ministry. We don't see him do really any, much of anything prior to that. He lived a holy and righteous life according to the Jewish custom. But once he was filled with the Spirit, okay, then he began to move in miracle signs and wonders to give us an example. That we can live holy and righteous, and when we get filled with the Spirit, we can begin working the works of God. <clears throat> Peter, in Acts 4.8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, you get filled with the Spirit, something's coming out of your mouth. 
In Acts 7.55, but being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is Stephen's being stoned and being filled with the Spirit, he began to experience an open vision. When the Holy Spirit comes and descends, people begin to move in dreams and visions. People begin to prophesy. You guys here? The Spirit wants to move in your life. It's good to read these stories, but God wants to move in your life. Amen? Amen. Listen to this story here in Acts chapter 8. So what happens is the church gets persecuted, and now they, get, they, they disperse all over the place. But um, they weren't, uh, this wasn't a congregation of spectators, okay? Everyone in this church was equipped to do something because we had a whole five-fold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So you can't do anything really by yourself, right? It takes two to agree five to perfect the saint, and many members to make up the body of Christ. So when the enemy comes in and brings persecution and the church is, is, is all of a sudden disrupted and they go all over the place, Philip goes down to Samaria, and he begins to preach the gospel. And the land was fertile because not, not too long earlier, uh, there was a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, that Jesus gave a prophetic word to, and she went and told everybody. So for those of you that have been ministering and haven't seen fruit, just keep waiting. One plants and one waters, but God causes the increase. Philip goes down there and begins to preach the gospel, and the whole, everybody's getting saved. He's got even magicians following him. He's leading them to the Lord. He's baptizing them in water. He's, he's healing the sick. He's casting out devils. He's working miracles. But listen to this. But now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. Well, why? Philip's doing just fine on his own. It's a big evangelistic crusade. Who when, they had, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So there is something that happens after you get saved. It could, if you're willing and you're open. If you really want to be used, if you want to move from being a spectator to being a participator in the kingdom of God, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Verse 17 of, of Acts 8, it says, Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on the hands of the apostles that the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. What is it that Simon saw? It says that they, were, he laid, they laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Spirit. But what is it that he saw? Whatever it was, he wanted some of that. He goes, man, I made some good money before. If I get this gift, I can really rack it in. I'll make a killing. The Apostle Paul, remember when he's on the road to Damascus and big light? He's on his way to persecute the Christians. He's got a, a letter from the high priest, and a light shines, and he falls to the ground, and he receives the Lord as a say He's saved now, but now he's being led because he's blinded. In Acts chapter 9, verse 17, and Ananias departed and entered into the house, and after laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you could regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what I love about that text? Nowhere in that text, and, and Luke is very, very meticulous in his writing. Nowhere in that text is it called Ananias a prophet. It doesn't call him an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, an elder, a deacon. It says a certain disciple. 
a certain disciple. And so what does he do? He goes to him and says, hey, listen, the Lord showed me what, a vision that you had. And he even gave me the address of where you were staying at. And now I'm going to lay my hands on you, and you're going to be healed and receive your sight, and you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. How many of you are a certain disciple? All right, we got six. That's awesome. Yes, I can work with that. That's all of us. We are that certain disciple. You don't have to be called to minister up here. You don't need a pulpit to minister. If you're a certain disciple, someone who's in love with Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, God can speak and move through you. The purpose of the fivefold ministry is to edify and equip you so you can do the work of the ministry. But we build churches and giant ministries, and all it is is just, fill, is just a huge show. And I'm not against big churches. I would love for us to grow. But a, 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 a growing in terms of depth, not just numerically. I don't think it's either or. I think it's both. For God so loved the whole world, so we need the numbers. But I want us to grow spiritually. I don't want us to just be the next show, the next Circus Soleil show. Oh, look what this person's doing. Look what that person's doing. What is the Spirit saying? What is God doing through you? Amen? You are that certain disciple. There are ministries out there that are locked up because you only, you're the only one that God has called to lay hands on them. So what does that manifestation, what does that revealing look like? In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, now when the day of Pentecost has fully come. I love this because people are like, oh, so you're Pentecostal. Pentecostal was, was a holiday, right? So for me to say, are you, are you Pentecostal? No, I'm, you know. I'm Christmas, you know, what are you, Thanksgiving? You know, and so we come up with these weird titles and names and stuff for us to, to label the movement and stuff. And I understand what, what they mean, you know, the Pentecostal experience and so, but it was, it was a time of celebration. They met three times, well, I'm not going to get into that. You come to some of the classes, you'll learn some of that stuff. But when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound you see, the Bible opens up that the Spirit of the Lord hovered. He made a sound. He vibrated over the water. And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. Not a weak wind. A rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared upon them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's no need for us to be embarrassed about this text. Okay? There's nothing to be ashamed about. This is a manifestation. This is a sign of being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying it's the only sign. Okay? But this is how the church was birthed. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew, Mark 16, 17, says, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall cast out demons in my name, and they will speak with new tongues. Do you believe? Yeah. These signs will follow you. Okay? In Acts chapter 10, this is really confusing for Peter because they have been preaching the gospel to just predominantly to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. And then he falls into a trance. And in a trance, he understands when he gets the interpretation of it later that this gospel isn't just for the Jews, 
but it's for the Gentiles, which means everybody else. So now he's preaching. He has this experience. While Peter was still speaking these words, Acts 10, 44, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. This is a Gentile uh, uh, group that he's speaking to. And those of the circumcision, in other words, the Jews who had believed were astonished. For as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Well, how do they know this? Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who had received the Holy Spirit? I love when, when, the, when the scripture messes us up. Or you got to be saved and then get water baptized and then filled with the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit's like, listen, I'll, just, I'll, I'll put the order in. You just be obedient. All right? Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. Now it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, we're disciples, right? Finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we haven't even heard of such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, well, then where were you baptized? And so they said, into John's baptism. And then Paul said in verse 4, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, very important, saying to the people that they should believe in him who would come after him, that is, Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. For some of you think you have to go to a prophetic school before you learn how to prophesy. And sometimes we're all afraid to let anyone just prophesy. Okay? And I understand there's been some messes and everything, but that's what order is about. Okay? I got four kids, and I was there when every single one of my kids were born. I'm telling you, not a single birth was clean. It was all messy. And when you are birthed in the Spirit and you begin to move in the Spirit, it's going to be a lot of messes. But we love the baby, so we clean the baby. We don't put it in a dumpster, right? We clean that baby. Uh, uh, Solomon said it this way. He said, uh, I think it was Proverbs 14, 4, I think it is. Clean are the empty stables, but much is accomplished with the strength of the ox. And so an ox is a metaphor for the power of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you, like you see, I'm, on my Dominican side of the family, my family, my grandfather was a pig farmer, and all his sisters were cattle farmers. And so um, uh, one thing, and I love, I love animals, especially to eat them, but <laughs> one thing about cows is that if you haven't known the, something about their anatomy, is that they have four stomachs. And I... Sometimes the food is so good, I wish I had four stomachs so I can keep eating. So my, my addiction, that's why I couldn't raise my hand, John, because my addiction was, was gluttony. And so I have to stay away from, I have to stay away from, oh, you know, all oh, you can eat, you know, buffets and stuff. But then, you know, then PK said, hey, we're going to take the guys out to Texas or Brazil. And I had to submit. So praise the Lord. So, you know, because, you know, he's the God of order. So. Yes. And so, you know, God's throne is emerald green, and so I kept my coin on my table green. So they kept coming back with the meat. I wanted to be biblical, you know. And, and me and Frankie were at the, the lobster bisque soup with straws, hoping no one would see us. And Anyway. But, you know, one thing that happens with when you have four stomachs, you eat a lot, but you also get a lot of 
a lot of fertilizer that you have to clean up. And so Solomon observes something. He says, if you want the power of God, you got to be willing to deal with the messes. Clean are the empty stables, but much is accomplished with the strength of the ox. So we can't be afraid to allow our people to minister. Now I'm not going to give you the pulpit so you can prophesy, you know, what's going to happen in three days or four. I mean, we're going to have classes and we're going to nurture you and we're going to let you make mistakes and we're going to change your pampers. Or, you know, but we want you to grow. I grew up in a church where if you missed it, you were stoned, right? And that's not biblical at all, right? And so, anyway, I'm not here to teach you. Come to the classes. I don't want to get off a tangent here. And so he laid hands on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. There's no need for us to be afraid when we ask God to fill us. He's not that kind of a spirit. He's a Holy Spirit. He's different. He's sanctified. He's set apart. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, he says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more does your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? There's no need for fear. God wants to fill us and baptize us, immerse us with the Holy Spirit. He gave them a command. If you guys are really serious about actually doing what I did, and you can, then you wait until you receive the power. And 120 waited. And when they got the power without internet, cell phones, they turned the whole world upside down. And now that we have the advantage of the internet and cell phones, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can turn the world upside down. Amen? God is looking for you, whether you realize it or not. It says in John 4, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And we preach and we teach truth, but we need that with spirit. Truth alone, the logos alone, the Bible alone will make us dead and religious. The spirit without the word will make us cultic. But when you combine spirit and truth, logos and rhema, it produces life. And God wants to produce life where you're at. I want you to stand with me. I don't care. I care. But I don't care what has happened in your past. The situation may be hopeless. You may be in a situation, whether it be a marriage, whether it be family, whether it be friends, you're stuck in a job that's miserable. It is like an arid desert. Yes, please, like an arid desert. But God can bring and spring a garden in the midst of that. The Holy Spirit wants to come and reign in your life. And I want to do an altar call. I don't have the, the PG anointing for altar calls, but if I could have my leaders come up. We're looking for certain disciples, people that are in love with Jesus. Maybe you've read the book, and you want to meet the author of this book. You're saved. There's no question about that. But you want to be filled with the Spirit. You want to be led by the Spirit. You want revelation in your life. There's people that you have access to that we don't have access to. And the Holy Spirit has chosen you. The Bible says he sets the solitary in families in Psalm 68. He set you in your particular family. I don't care how crazy it is. And I got crazy people in my family. 
There's stories I just couldn't tell you from the pulpit. But God placed me and my family for a particular reason. God placed you. You're not an accident. I don't care what circumstance you came in. Your family was convenient but not necessary for you to be born. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you and ordained you with a purpose and a plan. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. Every single one of you has a unique calling and a gift. And the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just drop some, some water on you. He wants to immerse you. He wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to, to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Don't be afraid to speak in tongues. I don't, well, I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. That's okay. But God understands it. I can take my kids and I can tickle them and the weirdest noises come out of them when I tickle them because they think they could actually escape my grasp. And they make these weird noises, but it's a result of me touching them. And the Holy Spirit wants to touch you this morning or this afternoon. And something unusual may come out of your mouth and that's okay. But he wants to immerse you and baptize you because Jesus said it is better for you that I go away because I want to send this helper. This helper is with you, but now it's going to be in you. It's going to fill you with the power. Power to do what? To do whatever it is that he's called you to do. Power to do what he did. The things that I did, you do also. And Jesus is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent or change the way he thinks. If he said it, he means it. Heaven and earth may pass away, but not a single dot will pass away from his word. And he wants to baptize you this afternoon. So if you're that certain disciple, I want you to come forward. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, our leaders are going to be up here in the front, and we're going to lay hands upon you. And when we do, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the honor and the opportunity to declare your word. I just wanted to make the introduction. I want this courtship to commence, this fellowship with the Spirit. I want you to come alive off of the pages that you inspired the writers to write. And I want you to arrest our hearts and let us realize that there's more to you than what we've just read, that you are tangible, that you are real, that you're more real than our reality, for you exist outside our five senses that feed us information. I thank you, Lord God, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fall on this congregation. And for those that are filled with the Spirit, I pray, Lord God, that they continue, Lord God, building themselves up in their most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, as you said in June 20. I thank you, Lord. Release, release the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost this afternoon. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.